Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Minnesota Football Podcast presented by the Believe Podcast Networks. I'm your host, Tony Liebert, and you can follow me at Tony Liebert on Twitter. And in today's episode, I will be recapping the Gophers' uninspiring 31-26 victory over Miami of Ohio. Uh, we'll be talking instant reactions, um, the highly contentious play calling in the second half, um, what I saw from the defense, uh, who else stood out, um, talk about the big special teams performance from Matthew Trinkett, and um, what I believe needs to improve from the Gophers before they take on a confident Colorado team coming off a close game with number five, Texas A&M. Right into it. Um, the, I, I believe that obviously the biggest takeaway from the Gophers' uh, win last Saturday was uh, the sluggish second half. They did the same thing against Ohio State. Now they've done the same thing against a MAC team with Miami of Ohio. Um, this is kind of starting to be a trend for PJ Fleck. He struggles to put away. Um, non-conference opponents, I guess, in the second halves. Uh, during the game, well, they kind of let uh, Miami of Ohio back into the contest. It kind of reminded me of the 2019 season where uh, they opened up with a 28-21 to win over an FCS school, South Dakota State. And then they had that crazy game over Fresno State, which they survived in double overtime, three-point win. And then they had a three-point win over Georgia Southern the following week. So n- now that is four straight non-conference opponents, because in 2020 we had zero, where uh, the Gophers have a clear talent advantage, but they have failed to win by more than uh, one score in every game. Um, I think this honestly has to raise some eyebrows. Uh, I'm the biggest PJ believer as the next guy, but if you continue continuously do the same thing four times in a row over now two years and into the third season, 
it has to be it has to be slightly concerning. Um, the Gophers obviously have uh, Colorado next week, which is a Power Five school, so that doesn't fit into the same sample. But it, Bowling Green the following week will be a great uh, litmus test because Bowling Green is not good for how. how how, how bad everyone wanted the Gophers to destroy Miami of Ohio. They clearly were a better team with their starting quarterback back, and they're, they're consistently one of the better programs in the MAC Conference and really in the mid-major group of five teams in general. Um, so obviously the Gophers should have won by more than what they did, but the, the – Miami of Ohio is a better team than people thought they were, but that's besides the point. Um, the, this is PJ Flex um, conservative approach in second halves has kind of um, started to really show. I guess like it's it's an odd decision to play. Uh, to not lose the game against Miami of Ohio instead of play to win the game. Uh, obviously, he's not calling all the plays, but um, it, it was just an odd decision to run the ball so much in the second half and run the ball so much with um, Trey Potts. Uh, that brings us into our second point. Tanner Morgan only had second there were six second-half pass attempts in the entire game. He had zero in the fourth quarter. He didn't complete a single pass in the second half. After the game, when asked uh, why, P.J. Fleck really def kind of deflected the question and said, well, that was what the, the defense was giving him. Um, no matter what the defense is giving you, you cannot have six pass attempts in a, a second half of a football game with a fifth-year starting quarterback who honestly had a pretty good first half. He was throwing the ball very well. I just don't understand what you're trying to do at that point of the game. You're just becoming very one-dimensional. Um, you, I know you want to lean on the strength of your offensive line, but... That just, it was just weird to see. It It reminded me of uh, the Super Bowl a few years ago when the Falcons played the Patriots. And the Falcons had that huge lead and then they just started running the ball. They weren't a running team throughout the season. And then they ended, they ended up letting the Patriots back into the game. And then the Patriots won. It just, that style of play calling has just continuously not worked well at all levels of football and the conservative approach has I mean it hasn't caught up with him yet because he's won all these non-conference games but it's just frustrating to watch as a fan sometimes because you kind of want to have that killer attitude to step on the team's throat and not let them back into the game and when you're just running the ball in the second half and not doing anything else and playing to lose the game, not lose the game, instead of playing to win the game, it's just kind of frustrating to watch at times. Um, plain and simple, Morgan just needs to pass the ball more than six times. And the play calling as a whole, um, 
in the past few offensive coordinators and play callers under PJ Fleck, uh, PJ obviously loves the the quick passes and the uh, RPO game. The it just uh, I was talking to this with my with my buddy at the game, but it's when every single uh, RPO that they have and Tanner's uh, doing the read option with the running back and making his read. Uh, it's really interesting. It would be interesting to know if the decision's predetermined before the play because they're, this game especially, there were so many openings for Tanner to have a wide open play if he just, or run if he just kept the ball on the, on the, on the read option. But it just seems like he ends up just handing it off every single time. And it, it the play fake is just, not really even real. It's just a fake. Like he's not. There's no even attempt at him keeping the ball. So it just, as a whole, this play calling with just heavy, heavy running game. Um, it's just odd to do when you don't have a top, top defense. Because um, I, when I was watching the rest of the college football games on Saturday, there was a statistic since 2019. I think the Gophers were third in the country in uh, time of possession. And the two teams ahead of them were Wisconsin and Army. Army obviously runs the triple option. So their time of possession is always going to be high because they want to, that's how they want to play. And Wisconsin, love or, love or hate them, they, they consistently have a good defense every single year. And this Gophers defense can be good, but right now it's not good, plain and simple. So when you're uh, playing that slow, grinding, run the ball down, uh, chip away style on offense, and your defense isn't playing well, it's so easy for the opposition to just get back into the game. And obviously this defense can get better, and it can work later in the year, but it's just such an odd decision to do this early in the season when your defense is clearly struggling. Um, going on with the play calling, that brings me to my next point. Um, everyone loves to talk about uh, the Wildcat. Seth Green is obviously transferred to Houston. And uh, the, the Wildcat did not leave uh, with him. It's still in Mike Sanford's uh, playbook. It's still in the Gophers playbook. And... They have not really gotten anywhere with it so far this season. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but they've had to run, let's say, eight to ten plays out of the Wildcat formation so far. I can't imagine they've gained even ten yards yet. And it, the Wildcat formation is so uh, not really even interesting to me. It, it just makes no sense to me because uh, when it was introduced – there were guys like Ronnie Brown on the Miami Dolphins and LaDainian Tomlinson on the uh, San Diego Chargers at that time that were running it in the NFL. And they had a threat to pass the ball every once in a while. Obviously, those are running backs, but they would pass the ball every once in a while in the NFL. Uh, the Gophers never passed the ball. They might have. I think I can count on one hand the amount of times they've passed the ball out of the Wildcat under P.J. Fly. When you run the Wildcat, and you're practically just admitting that you're going to run the ball. So that just uh, defeats the element of surprise. So you're admitting you're going to run the ball. 
and you're practically admitting you're going to run it between the tackles. So I feel like that just really limits yourself as an offense, and it just limits what you can do against the defense. I just don't understand it at all. And when it just doesn't work, and doing it in short yardage situations when you have a big uh, guy under center or behind center like Seth Green, it just made more sense because it was almost like a QB sneak at that point. And Seth Green uh, obviously was a big dude. He's great in short yardage situations, but just doing it with your running back in uh, just like a midfield, it just makes no sense to me. And I w- would assume most people listening to this would agree with me. Um, I don't think we're going to see it uh, leave the Gophers playbook. Uh, Sanford and Fleck clearly want to continue um, running it. But, yeah, it's just frustrating. And overall, the play calling, it's a very uh, easy thing to lean on as a fan and say, oh, the play calling stinks. Uh, The play calling needs to change. But it's just watching football this weekend – and seeing play callers like Andy Reid with the Chiefs and even Kevin Stefanski on the Browns, uh, Sean Payton on the Saints, good play calling just elevates your team's talent. Like the Saints have freaking Marquez Calloway and Jawan Johnson as their number two receivers. I would assume most people listening to this have no idea who those two people are. They just absolutely torch the Packers. Uh, and... It's just good play calling elevates the talent that you have on your team. And subpar to mediocre play calling really uh, shines the light on the holes in your team. It shines the light on the Gophers' holes in their team when they're not having creative play calling. And obviously, it's easy to point the fingers at one guy, but it just frustrating to see as a fan sometimes when it's just predictable over and over and over again kind of kind of going into the next thing uh Trey Potts was obviously the big star of Saturday's win he had uh 34 carries for um how, how many yards did he 34 carries for 178 yards and two touchdowns he played terrific in his first career start all uh props to him he played great he looked all of a number one running back. Um, with that being said, I found it a little odd that the Gophers decided to give him 34 out of the 44 carries on the team, and he played 82% of the snaps um, from the running back position. He had 53 out of 65 snaps. Um, Bryce Williams had 10, and Cam Wiley had 4. Um there's obviously a lot of talent in the Gophers running back room, uh, even with Mo uh, out for the year. And I just kind of expect, I, I, would, I expected Trey Potts to lead the team in carries, but it kind of surprised me that how much he led the team in carries. Um, he clearly should be the number one option. And he clearly should get the bulk going forward. But when you just lost uh, Mo. Ibrahim to a non-contact injury, which often means that he was overworked to begin with. Um, it's it's just odd that you turn around and give your uh, freshman running back, or not freshman running back, sophomore running back, just 
practically all the team's carries. And after the game, uh, Trey Potts was asked if he uh, thought that he was going to get that big of a workload. And it kind of seemed like he wasn't expecting it based on his response uh, during the post-game press conference. But he, he said that whenever his number's called, he's got to go. So, I mean, all props to him, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but even on special teams, rolling him out there on punt returns, I found a little odd. Uh, if you're relying on him so much to be your top running back, I don't know why you would risk injury on punt returns. There's plenty of good... Uh, we have There's plenty of talent at the skill position. Uh, Brady Anikstead had a few... Uh, punt returns, but uh, Trey Potts had most of them, and I would assume now that Trey Potts has kind of put a stamp on that number one running back role that, I, or I mean, I would hope that he's not the uh, punt returner going forward, but I, I found that just a little odd, and I mean, uh, Cam Wiley, uh, he's kind of been a little uh, disappointing, I would say. He uh, didn't run very well in the few carries he had today. Um, and Bryce Williams looked okay in the few snaps that he had. So, I, I mean, I can see why the Gophers uh, kept feeding uh, pots, but they didn't really give the other guys a chance. So, I mean, that, that kind of surprised me. Um, it, it, Trey Potts obviously played well, like, like I said, but, uh, you know, I'll be interested to see how, if that's the same game plan for the rest of the year. It's just I thought they were going to use more guys uh, against a non-conference MAC team. I thought I gave them an opportunity to see how what you had even out of uh, the freshman Bucky Irving and Kai Thomas. Uh, we'll get to the special teams too, but Bucky Irving's big kick return I think showed how uh, explosive he can be. And I think he deserves at least a few uh, carries out of the backfield to see what he has. Um, and PJ's post-game uh, press conference, he kind of made it sound like that might be a thing they try to do. Um, but that that would be interesting too. So I'm very uh, interested to see how, if, if Saturday was what we are going to see out of the running back room for the rest of the season. Um. I feel like the the next huge talking point from the game was the defense. Um, I, we've obviously been talking about the defense since 2019, since we lost uh, Carter Coughlin, Kamal Martin, and Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, the defense kind of has had trouble replacing them. My uh, biggest takeaway from their struggles, uh, I, they're lacking that just one unquestioned leader because in that 2019 season, they almost had, uh, like, three of them, honestly. Uh, Antoine Winfield, Coughlin, and Martin were all great leaders, and it kind of seemed like they brought the defense together um, when they were struggling. They they brought them back to the middle and, and, uh, and calmed down and settled in. It's just when this defense struggling is struggling, I kind of feel like it just snowballs. Um, Mariano Sori Marin obviously was supposed to be that leader, and he still can be uh, vocally and like in the locker room. But it just, I would assume from me playing football in high school and youth football, it's hard to uh, have your leader be a guy who 
makes mistakes of his own. Everyone on this defense has made mistakes, but it's just difficult to uh, have that guy be your number one option when he himself isn't playing up to the ability that he can play. But it's just, as a whole, they obviously have a lot of season left to grow, and there's good things from this defense. It's just a consistency thing. Like, they show flashes. Uh, the, the front seven shows flashes of getting to the quarterback and stopping the run. But they also show flashes of just struggling to do that. I mean, Miami of Ohio only had 30 carries for 104 rushing yards, so the front seven played well. Um, they only had 3.5 yards per carry, and their longest rush was 13 yards. So, I mean, they played well against a clearly inferior um, Miami of Ohio team. But this defense just simply needs to get better um, before they head into Big Ten play. I, I think that's pretty clear to see. Um, letting up 237 passing yards to uh, Miami of Ohio, I think is kind of concerning, to be honest. I, I mean, that's obviously not much, but should have been much less in the flow of that game. They let up a lot of big plays in the second half. Um, but I think that had a little to do with um, Jordan Howden still being banged up. I mean, both him and uh, Chris Ottman-Bell warmed up and looked like they were healthy and ready to go before the game. Um, but neither one uh, played. Uh, Howden had zero snaps, and um, Michael Dixon replaced him. Uh, Dixon played well. Um, he didn't play great. Um, but they clearly will take a step forward when Howden comes back, even from the Ohio State game. They just look like a different defense when he's in the secondary, and I feel like that just helps their secondary a, a, a lot. Uh, P.J. Fleck said that he's almost like their uh, quarterback of the secondary. He tells everyone where they're going. Um, I thought, honestly... The secondary played fairly well. Tyler Newbin had a terrific game, I thought. Um, Coney Durr played well again. Um, it, it, again, it's just that the nickel and fourth cornerback and sometimes third that needs to step up. Terrell Smith showed flashes again. Um, he, he was a little more inconsistent than he was at uh, or against Ohio State, but um, he just needs to bring that all together, and I think he'll be fine the rest of the year. It's just, again, it's the consistency. They, there is talent on this team, and they've shown they can play well. And I hate to say it, but when you have talent that's not showing consistency, that has to lean on someone. And you know who I'm going to say it leans on the coaching. Um, but I, I'm not too concerned about this team. Like, PJ, obviously, PJ Fleck has shown to have slow starts to seasons. Um, his team op clearly got uh, ready to go for first half against Ohio State, but who knows? We just saw Ohio State lose to Oregon. Maybe they're not as good as they've been in the past. But he, uh, it's just, it's just the early in the season. They got normal issues. I fully expect them to be able to work them out. But as a whole, I'm just not that concerned about the defense. Um, I th there's holes, but they're improving. They've shown improvement game to game. To me, at least, uh, consistency is what needs to show up. Um, that's the part they're missing. They, they can they can make plays. They
They have the talent to make the plays. They just need a show to do it on a consistent basis. Um, that goes into another uh, position group that I think has shown to do it on a consistent basis is the wide receiver room. Um, going into the season, that was obviously a huge talking point among uh, Gophers fans was how was the wide receiver room going to replace Rashad Bateman in two years of away from losing Tyler Johnson. Um, I feel like this wide receiver group has done terrific through two games uh, without their number one option. Um, Dalen Wright is obviously the uh, the main guy. He got hurt halfway through uh, last week's game, but his two touchdowns and eight catches so far throughout the year, he's looked all the part of a former four-star recruit. Uh, very exciting. He's only a redshirt sophomore, so he has at least two more years of eligibility. Um, he'll be very uh, fun to watch develop in his Gophers career. And even uh, Daniel Jackson, he, he deserves a lot of uh, praise for how he played. Caught his first touchdown today, or not today, on Saturday. And he's looked uh, great as well. And um Mike Brown Stevens hasn't has had many uh, opportunities yet this year to catch, but I, I, he's been playing well too. And uh, Brady Boyd, when Dalen Wright went out, he even got a, a few uh, plays on the offensive end. He had 18 snaps, that's 28%. So it was good to see a true freshman uh, seeing the field that early in his Gophers career. Um, but when Chris Amamil comes back, the... Uh, Top three options with Jackson, Dalen Wright. Seems like his injury is not too serious. And uh, Ottman Bell is going to be a great trio. Uh, like, honestly, it could be one of the better trios uh, in the conference behind Ohio State. Um, the, as going into the season, people thought this was going to be a hole in the Gophers team. It's far from a hole. And I, there's honestly, I think, very few holes uh, talent-wise and positionally-wise on this offense. I, the, this Gophers wide receiver group, I think, can hold their own with any uh, defense in the, at least the conference, if not the country. Um, I think it's very inspiring to see going forward as uh, Daniel Jackson and Dalen Wright and Brady Boyd and Mike Brown-Stevens will, will all be back next year. Um Obviously, I haven't seen Ottman Bell make his season debut yet, but uh, I'm very excited to see how this wide receiver room performs the rest of the year, um, and honestly, going into next year. I, I'm very uh, pleased with what I've seen from them so far. Uh, I, I've been very pleased from Dalen Wright. I think he's a legit NFL talent, even. Uh, he is just... He shows flashes that... Just other guys can't. Standing at 6'4", he just has all the talent, all the route running abilities, all the athleticism that you want to see. On his one touchdown against Miami, when he had that just clean post route about 20 yards out from the end zone, Tanner just hit him right on the numbers. That was just a beautiful play to see. Um, that, that just raises a lot of confidence for me as a Gophers fan uh, heading into the, the rest of the season. And the rest of, honestly, going forward just into the future. Um, another position group everyone loves to talk about is the offensive line. Um, 
the offensive line is often a position group that most fans love to point fingers to when the team's struggling. They'll say, oh, the offensive line's getting no push. Uh, the offensive line for uh, last week's game clearly could have um, performed better, and the tight end group and the rushing attack uh, as a whole just more consistently. Um, but when you rely so heavily on the run game like the Gophers do, um, it's tough to ask your guys to have 60 uh, running plays a game. I, I mean, how many running plays did they have? 46. That, that is just a lot of run-blocking snaps to ask a team for, especially when you have uh, all but six plays in the second half were rush attempts. I, it's just... I played offensive line in high school, and obviously I'm not a Division One Big Ten lineman, so I, what the heck do I know? But uh, when you're asked to just do that many just running plays over and over and over again, it's very ta taxing on the offensive line. Um, they could have shown more consistency, more dominance against a MAC defensive line, but they showed up when they needed to. At the end of the game, they played well. Uh, on the last few drives, Trey Potts had holes to run through. Um, and in, in the beginning of the game, they played well. But it's just hard to ask for that many uh, running plays to just perform that well. Uh, I mean, this I still think this is one of the best offensive lines in the conference. Um, I, I feel like it's a bit, a bit of an overreaction to say they were uh, struggling um, against Miami of Ohio. I think they performed just fine. Uh, it's not going to be the the greatest thing to see in every single game. It's tough to ask for an offensive line. It's just you need an offensive line to be able to uh, present the opportunities for your skill position players to make plays. Um, not every offensive line, every single game is going to be the strength of your team and just absolutely dominating the opposing defensive line. But I thought they played well. I it's still the strength of this team, I believe, going forward. And I, I think there's no room to worry uh, going into the rest of the season. Um, I feel like the last big takeaway from the Gophers' win over Miami of Ohio uh, was the special teams. Uh, being such a whole last season, uh, Matthew Trickett, obviously, I think the Gophers have found a kicker um, with his he hasn't missed yet this year. Uh, he made a 50-yard field goal last week and another field goal to give two for the Gophers. I, that's just huge uh, going into the rest of the season to have that. And in the return game, uh, like I said earlier with Trey Potts at punt returner, I just feel like that's just an odd uh, decision to do when you have him as your number one running back and clearly your bell cow running back. I feel like there's just other players you can put back there, and maybe Bucky Irving is one of those players. When he returned the kick and had that great return uh, to kind of kick off and go for his last scoring drive, um, I, I think he should get some more opportunities at punt returner. I, I don't know if he returns punts in practice. I haven't been to uh, practice in a while. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I, but I feel like he should uh, get opportunities in the backfield and in punt returning. I, uh, it's good to see that he got an opportunity at kick returner. I think he showed how talented he can be. Um, but I mean, as a whole, 
instant reaction from uh, the Gophers game. You obviously want to see them win by more. It was very disappointing second half. But they left with a win, and two years ago we saw this is kind of what um, P.J. Fleck teams do. They start out slow in the season. Um, I feel like having a conference game so early in the season is a bit of an outlier um, last week against Ohio State. But in 2019, after their three non-conference opponents, they beat Purdue by seven, and then they... After that, they beat Illinois by 23, Nebraska 34-7, Rutgers 42-7, Maryland 52-10, and then Penn State 31-26. Um, as for this team, I think they can honestly, optimistically obviously, but they can have the same type of run after uh, this start to the season because the meat and potatoes of their Big Ten schedule really doesn't start till November 13th against Iowa. Like, it's a very similar schedule, to be honest. So you got Colorado this week, Bowling Green next week, and then Purdue, Nebraska, Maryland, Northwestern, Illinois. I feel like it's a great um, uh, pre-start uh, to the Big Ten uh, season as they end with three really good Iowa uh, Indiana Wisconsin teams um, so I mean obviously you want to see them win by more you want to see them have a dominating performance but I, this is far from like uh, code red like oh this needs to like these are all fixable problems and I, I'm sure uh, PJ Flex a good coach he will uh, correct these issues he has a good staff um, obviously it's, you, you can all only hope at this point but None of these are red flag problems that are unfixable. I feel like just more time with the team. Um, they're going to be able to correct these and have them going uh, next week against Colorado and rest of the season. Um, I feel like the biggest things that need to improve as the Gophers uh, get ready for Colorado um, is, number one, just not being so uh, predictable. Um, it, I think it'll be a very... Uh, good game for the Gophers, to be honest. I think they match up well with Colorado because Colorado plays a very similar style. There's not going to be many possessions in this game next week. Colorado loves to run the ball. They love to rely on their defense, much like the Gophers. Um, against Texas A&M, uh, Colorado's... So Texas A&M won 10-7. It was in Colorado. It wasn't in Boulder, the game was in uh, Denver at the Broncos Stadium, so that was interesting. But um, like Colorado's quarterback was thirteen to twenty-five for eighty-nine yards and a pick. Um, so that I think should tell you all, all you uh, need to know. He led the team in rushing yards. Um, we'll have more of a full game preview uh, later in the week, likely on Thursday or Friday, but. Colorado likes to run the ball, so I, I feel like the biggest um, thing for the Gophers will be not to uh, fall under the same game plan as the as Colorado and be different. Just uh, I that's what I hope to see. I just don't really want to see the same. Just run the ball every single time. Like we're gonna ha might have Chris Ottman Bell back hopefully, and I feel like that should open the passing game a little bit and. It's just, 
it's just more creativity would just be on offense would just be so much more inspiring I guess to see uh, but th- this uh, close loss shouldn't change um, the Gophers ceiling the rest of the year they still have the ceiling of uh, winning out until they play Iowa November 13th and they could uh, be one two three four five six seven. They could be 8-1 and one heading into that game, control their own destiny in the Big Ten West. Um, they still have everything in front of them. Uh, week one, Ohio State lost did nothing. And a 31-26 victory over Miami of Ohio counts the same as a 49-0 victory. Um, there, obviously, things you want to see get better with this team, but they have the talent. They have the guys. They, they have all you need. They just need to execute at this point, and I think P.J. Fleck and his staff would tell you the same thing. I, they, he can say all he wants about playing it, what the game gave to him, but I think when he looks back at the film of this game, he's going to know that he made mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. The players made mistakes. But no, nothing that I took away from the Miami of Ohio game is too uh, worrying going into the rest of the season. But, like I said, rest of the season's above of, in front of them. Um, I think that's all I got for today's episode. Um, you can expect a full Colorado preview later in the week. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we, um, I think that's all I got. Uh, roll the boat, Sky Uma, and go Gophers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.